However, standing by right now is the one and the only, Sean Mooney. Who? Mooney, everybody's got a price for the Million Dollar Man. After you threw him off through the announce table, Taker climbs back down, he gets in the ring, and he goes, see if he's breathing. So right before I called 911, I thought she'd fallen asleep. Kind of shook her a little bit to, to wake her up, and she did not respond. I don't go down to my go to my grave testifying or whatever, swearing that Davey was not on drugs. If he was on drugs, the way Brett says, how does, I mean, how great does that make Davey? Are you laughing, Sean? I get off the track here all the time. Did you just laugh, Sean? If they would do a movie about your life, who would you want to play your part? <laughs> uh, well, George Clooney, of course. <laughs> who else could it be? Attention, Sean Mooney, you scum, you slime, you maggot. If there's no further questions, you're dismissed. Carry on, maggot. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to Prime Time with Sean Mooney. Uh, coming off an episode with Bobby Fulton, and I really hope you enjoyed uh, that episode. Uh, I don't know how much you knew about Bobby before, but if you listened, I do believe you have a greater appreciation of him. And I don't say that uh, in a way that um, you know that you didn't think he had a great career before, but to learn how much he went through and how much he loves this business, uh, to him there was no other path for him. And the influence that uh, he and, uh, you know, the Fantastics had on, you know, high-flying tag teams. Honestly, I didn't know that much about his career. Uh, You know, of course, I do my homework. But when you really, you you know, when you hear their stories, it's just incredible to me. Because, you know, you can, you you get the basics. So he did this, he was, you know, the the, the tag team was, you know, whatever length of time. But... When you hear stories of, uh, like him telling you about, you know, them uh, being among the first that started doing the synchronized moves, and uh, you know, they were kind of the, the you know, the, uh, the the golden boys, kind of the 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 the, uh, the bait out there at these arenas. That's why they, you know, they said you had to have your your faces out there, but also, you know, earning the respect, I guess you'd call it, from your uh, male uh, audience. Because, you know, as baby faces, you want them to hate you because they, you know, their girlfriends want, want them. But when they talk about the matches that they had with the sheep herders that were these, you know, blood and guts brawls and how that won them a new share of an audience. I mean, it's just it's just really, really interesting stuff. And uh, I really enjoyed that conversation uh, with Bobby, and I've gotten to know him a little bit over the past couple of years. Just a great guy, and he still, he, you know, he's one of those people. And I, and I'm not saying that we don't that this doesn't happen a lot with guys you talk to in this business, but he is he is somebody that you know has been passionate about this business since he was a kid, and it has never ever changed. So I want to thank Bobby for coming on, and and I really I really enjoyed talking with him. Got another great episode coming up. Uh, Chris Chavis is going to join us, better known to. Wrestling fans as to Tonka. All righty. Time to get to our conversation this week. Chris Chavis uh, left a six-figure job to become a professional wrestler. You're going to hear more about this. But uh, that should just give you a clue that Tonka, as uh, we know him, traveled a very interesting road. So 
What do you say we get to it? Ding, ding, ding. Joining me as a superstar, I had the great fortune to work with during my time with the WWF, WWE. Uh, I remember when he arrived on the scene, he had it all. The physique, the look, a great gimmick, and uh, certainly the drive to succeed. Welcome, Chris Chavis, better known to the world of professional wrestling as Tatanka. Welcome, Chris. Thanks for coming up. Well, time. thank you. Uh, thank you, Sean. It's awesome to be on prime time with Sean Mooney. Uh, definitely. It's a pleasure to hear your voice, too. Uh, you bring back so many, uh, what do you want to say, uh, awesome moments and memories of, uh, of not only my career, but yeah. uh, more importantly, just an awesome era. You don't realize till you get away from that as I'm still active on the road, how, how awesome that era was. So it, it's a pleasure to be, uh, again, on primetime today. Yeah, and uh, we had uh, many an interview. I uh, always enjoyed uh, doing those interviews. Either. You were great. Um, I, I mentioned a great gimmick, and, uh, but for you, it was, it was pretty much natural. I mean, uh, being Tatanka, because you are indeed a Native American, a member of the Lumbee tribe. And has your heritage, Chris, always been a big part of your life growing up? Because I know... Uh, and the Lumbee is uh, where you're from, is the home of the tribe. Correct. Uh, yes. Uh, with true, you know, with our politics today, so we can have a little bit of laugh here, yeah. I'm an official member of a tribe. I'm not saying I'm so-called being a member of a tribe. I'm, an I'm the official member of the Lumbee Nation of North Carolina. And because of that, you know, any official member of a tribe, I mean, it, it, your elders, they, they all teach, you know, they teach the things that are most important in life. The elders are teaching about uh, uh, respect, integrity, you know, traditions, you know, uh, keeping the native way. So so even when you're young, you're already being uh, being taught these things from elders. So, so you're very proud of your heritage from from a from a young age. So even doing high school, even doing uh, uh, when I played high school football, they used to chant war chants with me because I was very, I made it very clearly known that I was Native American. I was even wearing Native American authentic uh, uh, jewelry and, and beads and things like that to school back in those days. So, so very, very proud of our heritage and we're very proud of our tribe because the Lumbee Nation, which is based in North Carolina, which is also the same tribe a same state the, the Cherokee of North Carolina come from, you know, our tribe is a little bit different. We don't have uh, what, what you would call reservation lands. You know, we own our lands. We're, we're just a successful tribe, you know, and uh, we don't have reservation lands. So we have doctors, lawyers, we even have our own college and banks. So we're, you know, a very, very successful tribe, but just always wanted to make sure that we had federal recognition you know, of, uh, of our people. So again, yeah, Sean has been something ever since youth with me. So when it came to pro wrestling, even before WWF, when I started this career, it was so easy for me. You know, I, I knew everyone needed to have characters and in our day, it's different than today, yeah. but in our day, you had to have a character. Everyone was a character to me. It was natural. I'm Native American. To me, it's easy to portray who I truly am, who I'm proud of. So, so before going to World Wrestling Federation in the Carolinas, when I was wor working with George Scott, the original booker for World Wrestling Federation, I had already came in with my character as a Native American, with moccasins, with a loincloth on, wearing a headdress. And when I did trouts with WWF, I already brought the character right to WWF before getting hired. Mm, wow. 
Well, and before we get to, you know, that, that part of your career and in, in your life, uh, you, you mentioned how that, that you had that pride in you early on. And I think that's what, uh, you know, pushed you forward successfully. And, you know, like one of the first books I ever read in my life was the, the Jim Thorpe story. And, and it just, I was just thinking today, man, you remind me a lot of, of him. I mean, because he was one of those people that no matter what he did, he was good at it. And uh, was that true for you? Because, it, you know, uh, was it just like any sport you did you were good at? Uh, were you an, a, a recognized athlete even as a young kid? Uh, yes, I, I've been, uh, people call it fortunate. I, I would have to say very blessed because when you look back and you look at things, yes, I mean, I was very successful in football. We're, we're state triple A football champions. We played football in the same area where the movie is. Remember the Titans with Denzel Washington with those same teams in that movie, those same teams were the teams that we were playing during my time it was during that time when that movie is being portrayed so what i'm talking about it was really good football you know so i played on a state championship football team i had an opportunity to go to several different colleges for football i went to james madison university on football i came out from there ended up having a free agent that picked me up that gave me trouts to the miami dolphins i had several different areas to go but i made free agent cuts for the dolphins but the the offer that they came back to me was not enticing enough for me to leave the career that i have so yes i've been fortunate to play other sports and be very successful but i I think that has a lot to do with parenting i had a very very uh strong mother and father uh figure in the household my dad was very very successful he was a uh uh, an executive at Newport News Shipyard, which is the world's largest shipyard, uh, where it does all the nuclear aircraft carriers, the nuclear subs. So he was an executive there, a hard worker, getting up early in the morning, working all day, sometimes working double shift, you know, being in charge of a whole dock, a whole pier, you know, a whole job on a submarine. So, so my dad instilled into me, you know, that hard work ethic. And I say, and I, and I think that's probably the biggest thing that I would tell everyone listening because of that hard work and me being taught what it really takes to succeed in today's world. You take that ethic into almost anything that you do, you're going to be successful if you put the hard work behind it and you get the knowledge that you need to be successful. Yeah. But not only uh, athletically, I mean, you were a, a good student as well. And I know uh, the ROTC played a part in your, your high school uh, life. And I, you were even offered a scholarship or you, you uh, were earned a scholarship to West Point. I mean, <laughs> I like look at this and go, man, what couldn't you do? Uh, what was yeah. you know, what how, what role did that play in your life? Uh, yeah, yeah, you, you you remind me of you remind me of Vince McMahon. Uh, one time I walked in Vince McMahon's office recently during my 2005 to 2007 run, yeah. and uh, you know Vince is phenomenal. I mean, uh, you have to give credit where credit is due. This whole industry is a is a monster because of Vince McMahon. He's done just tremendous things for our industry and for our business. But I remember him telling me in the office because there's something he wanted me to do in the ring with someone mm-hmm. and it just worked out perfect. And he looked at me and said, you know, there's some, there's nothing you can't do. Mm-hmm. But that was a big thing to hear that from Vince McMahon. But, mm-hmm. you know, again, Sean, I, I appreciate the comments. I never look at myself as being someone special. I just think it's, again, 
you know, thank God I had a strong father and mother figure in the household that believed in, you know, hard work, you know, no one's perfect, but living a good life, you know, pursuing, you know, uh, pursuing again, a career, working hard, having a family, you know, I think that had a lot to do with a lot of different things where I was successful. But yeah, I was in Army ROTC. I could have went to West Point. I had a scholarship, $100,000 scholarship to West Point. So again, it's that hard work ethic. And, and, I, and, and, I, and I pre- I'm so thankful for that because I look at it now and it's just a matter of, you know, not only the hard work, but when I put my mind to something, I give it a hundred percent. And, but that doesn't make me special. Anyone can do that. If you again, put the hard work in and believe in it a hundred percent and give it a hundred percent, you're going to be successful. No one can stop you. So yeah, I've been thankful. I look back to Sean, you bring it back memories because you know, I do a lot of business ventures and, and things that I'm currently involved with. And sometimes dealing with investors and people of that nature, sometimes you have to have your, your resume to some of these people. So I've seen my resume a couple of different times. I go, wow. You know, and you look back, but again, like I said, my father, my parents really taught of every strong work ethic. And I think also being native American, you know, one thing my dad instilled too, you know, at that time was, unfortunately uh, for me, I've been very successful, but there's a lot of natives. There's a lot of tribes out there that are, you know, we're leading all the high risk categories that you don't want to be in the native American race, like high poverty, high suicide, high teen pregnancy, high alcoholism, drugs, all of those things we're leading. So when a native can be successful, it's just not only for that one person, it is actually for all natives because they desperately need one of their own that they can hold on to, which gives them inspiration and hope to, to get off the reservations and go accomplish great things in their lives. So, so I think there's a lot of factors, Sean, with, with all the success, but yes, I have been very successful. I've been very, very fortunate and blessed to, to have so many different areas to, to no success. You know, and at that point in your life, it seemed like you had many, many choices. Um, you also got into bodybuilding and I think the first uh, competition you ever uh, entered, you got second place, and then uh, would eventually won you won titles as well. I mean, it, were correct. You, were these just things like you were trying to decide what to do, or it was just say, hey, "I'm going to try this and I can compete." And it, well, it was. I think what I think what it, what it really comes down to, you know, and the big thing, you know, we all have a, uh, I believe, fully, we all have a calling, and, and we all have gifts and talents, you know, and you can't deny those gifts and talents at times, you know, like today. I, I mean, uh, I'm still being able to go not only on a WWF schedule or a current WWE schedule, but I can still go in the ring and still do exactly everything that I did before in the nineties. So I've been very fortunate to be in this industry, you know, uh, this, this long. I mean, Hey, I mean, since you, uh, we started Sean, I mean, when did you start the business? 1987 was my first. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 80, 87. So just to be in this business this long is just a, is just a tremendous thing. But I mean, I'm getting a little bit off my focus. I know that you wanted me to answer a question there. What was it Sean about, well, you got into bodybuilding, and it, it yeah, body, yeah, body, but it was it wasn't that I was it wasn't that I was seeking when I was trying to get to there. I think it's just because I played so active sports, meaning leading up to high school, I was always active with sports from little league on up. I think when high school and I went to college and played college ball, I just think there was something there still wanting me to still 
look for that realm. I think that's the reason I was involved with so many things that involved with training, physical, you know, uh, how I got into wrestling, but, you know, bodybuilding at the time, football at the time. Yeah, I was looking for something that I could definitely pinpoint and make a career. You know, I went to college for business, you know, but I was definitely looking for some realm of where I could go with a career. And bodybuilding, I, I found out very quickly, you know, I, I won several different shows. I had shows that I could come up to the, uh, uh, that were national qualifiers that you can go to the nationals where if you win the nationals, you become pro. But as I found out more about the industry and I studied more about the industry, only a few people were making money. So you had to be one of the top elite. You had to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'll be back. You had to be guys like that, you know, Franco Colombo. So that's where I says, uh, a lot of hard training, a lot of discipline. I mean, I was dieting hard eight months out of the year. And I'm talking about clean. I was so cut at times, Sean, there was one show and I'll end with this. It was one show I was getting ready for. I was so cut and eating so clean eight months out of 12 months of the year that one evening before showtime, I dropped a piece of piece of paper, a normal eight by 10 piece of paper. It floated down through the air and it brushed against my calf. My skin was so, so thin. It was like onion skin and actually cut my skin up in the piece of paper. Wow. I was like shredded, you know, so I, I put all my effort into that working hard gifted, but just as far as career opportunities, I did, I didn't see it football. I seen, Oh, it could be great, but short lived. So I stayed with ballets that was still involved with sports. My, my, my expertise of training and being an athlete throughout the years, being committed to an exercise program. Plus I was making six digits of ballets. Plus they were grooming for me for a quarter of me in a year. So I said, you know what, I'm going to stick with ballets, but that's right when I met a, a wrestling scout. Yeah, and before we get to that, I mean, you, you kind of brushed past ballets here, and I, I was trying to do the math here. You must have been very young. I don't know how you got involved with them, but uh, you were running a club for them and, and doing really well. And like you said, you, this could have been a career path for you uh, that anybody would have seized because you would have been probably a half a million dollar executive within a few years uh, oh yes. What, was it just oh, yes. enough for you, or you said, I, you know? I, no, no, no. It's I think it just again there was that something inside of me that was just, you know, and just it wasn't there. I was loving ballets. I, I worked for ballets for five years. I put in uh, some weeks, eighty hours a week. I was doing a six-digit income. I'd already bought the house, the car in Florida. I was doing very well, saving, you know, but working hard, just working hard. What I believed in, what I always believed in, what my father instilled in me, you know, go work, work hard, you know, get a career, work hard at it, save your money, you know, don't be foolish. So that's what I was doing, you know, and I was doing that with valleys, but it just, when the wrestling thing came along while I was at valleys was also when I was trying out for the dolphins, you know, and I was currently bodybuilding at that time too. So I was bodybuilding, premier shape. I was also getting ready for the dolphins running. Okay. So you could see how wrestling starts tying in, you know, and again, still, you know, Bally's looking at the, the money I can make. But then when, re when wrestling came to me, it just uh, met all the criteria that I was looking for. That's the reason it created such a, a serious interest at that time. But yeah, Bally's was definitely, uh, it was already a career that anyone would want. Again, being at $100,000, you know, you're already starting to be at the, you know, the 1% line, you know, but I was actually, like you said, 
They were grooming me for an area director. I was already divisional manager. My club was responsible for doing anywhere from 400,000 to 500,000 a month in gross. We were hitting those numbers. I was selling personally $100,000 a month in memberships per month. So I produced over a million dollars worth of business for Bally's myself per year. I was there at Ballads for five years. So yeah, they were grooming me for area director. Uh, matter of fact, when I gave my notice to them, uh, funny story, and finally made up my mind, and we could talk about that later, how I got involved in wrestling. But when I finally made up my mind, the company was owned by Italians, you know, very, very strong Palumbo family, very, very strong. So I had all these Italians that showed up in my office, three Italians. And, you know, I felt like the Godfather movie. They're sitting across from me, dressed up in suits. They're making me an offer that I cannot refuse. You know, they're, they offered me a $30,000 year raise instantly. They started promising things of very directorship. You know, they, they were going. It was, you know, it was like the Godfather movie, you know. It was like staring me down. They didn't want me to go because divisional manager was only one divisional manager per team. So we only had two in that whole club, two teams and only two divisional managers. And plus, you got to replace it with one that's not only writing personal growth, but also got their team writing personal growth too. So they didn't want me to go, but you know, my last words to them is, you know, you guys didn't get to where you're at without believing in yourself. This is something I've got to do to be an unanswered question to me forever. If I don't go seek and know the true answer, will I get there or can I get there? You know? So, so I said, when you, so they said at that point I had to totally, you know, leave my job. There was none, I, not a position I could come back to. So that's another thing. Mm-hmm. I left a six digit figure job wow. that I could not come back to. They had to fill that spot. So talking about walking on water, that's, but sometimes you have to take risks like that to get to a higher level and world wrestling federation definitely took me to a different level. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a great story. I mean, how it all kind of came together for you is that uh, you know, I know that you were like going to a blockbuster and you kept running into a guy and he kept saying, you know, you'd be great. And this all leads to Buddy Rogers and then eventually Larry Sharp. So uh, it, did it at that point, though, and like you said, you're quitting a, a pretty lucrative uh, life, uh, a pretty good income here. And I don't know if you were just blind with confidence because I'm, I'm sure at that point you probably thought there's nothing that could stop you without knowing how brutal this business can be and how many don't make it. Uh, were you aware of that and just determined to, to make it happen? Uh, I think uh, to answer your question specifically, I've been one of those people that uh, very fortunate to, to see things and I don't look at it and go, Oh my God, I can't do that. I look at it and I, and I go, I can do that. You know, I, I look at the, I look at the, uh, the hill, the mountain, but I believe that I can get through it and go through it, go over it. I, I, I believe that somehow we're going to conquer it and accomplish. So, so things that would stop most people fear, you know, or those kind. I don't look at it that way. You know, I've always looked at something, you know, Hey, this is another step. It's another place to, to take this platform and, and grow it to another platform. So, and that's what I've seen with, with, with WWF. I've seen an opportunity. Oh my gosh, I'm a native American. I can rep- represent my people on TV worldwide. 
what what great what no greater honor as far as a native if I can portray myself truly who I am on TV there what a tremendous opportunity and also I realized too that it was going to be a tremendous financial opportunity too because when you looked at when you looked at from the outside in with WWF, I didn't look at any, I didn't check any stats. So the things that you talked about, you know, only a few make it, I didn't look at none of those things. All I did was I looked at all the signs that were showing up in front of me and then I started doing my own research, you know, as you should always do, get your own knowledge, go check, go research. I started researching. I wasn't even watching wrestling. You know, I was involved heavily with wrestling in high school. My best buddy was state wrestling champ. I messed around with the wrestling team, but I was on the state football team and the state track and field team. My coach, was, which was the same for both, would let me get on the wrestling, but I would mess with the wrestlers all the time. My best friend, Lawrence Bowman, was state champ. So, so uh, again, um, 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 I, I forget where I'm going there, Sean. I don't know what I want to tell you there. Well, well but, but getting uh, into but getting to the point, like where you, you've made this decision, you're going to be a professional wrestler. Yeah, correct. Yeah. I, I, Saturday morning, I was getting ready to say about Saturday morning. Yeah. I started watching it. Saturday morning and when I started realizing remember we talked earlier about career opportunity I started watching guys like Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior Randy Macho Man Savage all these great names that we know I watched him walked into these arenas I heard about their backgrounds, previous baseball player, previous this a lot of athletes and then I started seeing Coliseum sold out and then I started seeing all this merchandise I went one plus one equals two so I got real serious at that point, and that's when the kid who I just kept running into at Blockbuster, that's when I said, hey, okay, introduce me to this person who you said is so important. That's where, again, I was very fortunate enough to meet the legendary uh, Nature Boy Buddy Rogers. Right. And you had several mentors along the way uh, uh, that we'll talk about more, but what role did he play? Uh, in your your early career, and I imagine he was there, you know, throughout. But that uh, initially, uh, how big uh, he, he, he played tr- a tremendous part, tremendous, tremendous, tremendous part. And and here it is in a very short key form. Yeah. I went and met him at his house the first night. The kid actually took me directly to his house. Really, he lived on the Intercoastal Way in Florida. If you know anything about the Intercoastal yeah, Way, which yeah. I've lived on waterways yeah. like that. Beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. You know, I walked in, Buddy Rogers was all dressed up fancy and classy. His wife was dressed up all fancy and classy. Really nice uh, home right on the water. You could see the water in the back. The championship belts of his in show glass boxes up on the wall. You know, you could see they both had done very well for themselves. Mm -hmm. But even though that Buddy loved me, even though we clicked that first night, even though it was a tremendous meeting and you could tell that he really liked me i wasn't a fool i wasn't going to just leave a hundred thousand dollar job because someone said hey i believe that you can be the next superstar you know so i hadn't moved on anything yes i was thinking about wrestling and watching wrestling and all that but i'm sitting in my office which is at the top of our long staircase that comes into our 70,000 square foot valley's club that that i managed during that time Guess who walks up the steps? Nature boy Buddy Rogers himself walks oh, really? up the steps, comes into my office, sets down, and in short form, he said some words there and some inspirational things that by the time he got done, 
I said to myself, I said, there's no way that I cannot go after this. He, he, he got me, he hooked me right then. And that was it. But it was just like his belief in me saying, I know that you can do this. You have something special. You're a native American. I know George Scott He's starting his own promotion in the Carolinas. He's doing TV. He worked with WWF. I know people at WWF too. I know one of the best trainers to go to. I know that you can do this. And you know, I'm one of those kind of guys you're telling that to, I'm sucking it up, yeah. you know, and it's, I'm not, I'm not sucking it up because I'm stuck. I believe in those kind of things. I believe in speaking positive and inspiring because, you know, again, that's what we need to hear from everybody more nowadays, but that's, that's how I believe. So with him saying that it just confirmed it, what I already knew about myself. So I, I made the decision. That's when I had the meeting with the Godfather, and I said no. And then I set my path on going to pursue a professional wrestling career from there. And so, did you head to Jersey because uh, you worked with uh, the Monster Factory and Larry Sharp, right? I mean, was he th- the one who really trained you? Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Nate, uh, Nature Boy Buddy Rogers had a relationship with Pretty Boy Larry Sharp yeah. at that time. Uh, he, he spoke to him, spoke very, very highly of me, spoke, uh, to Larry, listen, I want him in and out. You know, he's going to be working with George. This kid is a talented athlete. He's going to be able to learn the trade. I want him in and out in three months. (laughs) You know, think about our training today, how guys are training, but I literally went to New Jersey you know, Paulsboro, New Jersey. Uh-huh. I had my own home in Florida. Of course, I kept my home in Florida, a uh, new home in Florida while I was up in New Jersey. I got a hotel up there and I stayed up there for uh, three months, you know, and then I finally got an apartment. I stayed up there for three months training four days a week. And then what was extra with me is, uh, again, I'm one of those go-getters. I asked for uh, Larry Sharp to hook me up with someone. One of those guys was Dennis Knight, uh, which I can mention his name. Again, I don't forget people who've helped me along the way because he gave me Dennis Knight and a couple other guys I'd work with, but I'd work with Dennis Knight most of the time. I would come in on the weekends on a Friday when it was off, even on a Saturday and do extra work with him while everyone else was off. I was putting the extra work in, doing the extra time, living what I've been taught, hard work, hard work, hard work. So I was doing that in a matter of three months after doing everything. Pretty Boy Larry Sharp uh, signed me off. I had my first professional match January 13th, 1990, against a guy by the name of Joe Thunderstorm, which I defended, defeated by pinfall, and that's when my professional career started right then, January 13th. 1990. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned George Scott's outfit. I think it was uh, the North American Wrestling Association, NAWA. You you got it correct. And and you worked with some, you know, uh, pretty big names who eventually became big names. But uh, I think that two that that, uh, stand out are are Ricky Steamboat and, of course, Wahoo McDaniel, who'd who'd been around. But um, were those two other guys that helped you along the way? I, I would think that being around Ricky Steamboat, you've got to something's got got to. Oh, out there. definitely, without a shadow of a doubt. Well, as you know, Ricky had just been very heavily involved with World Wrestling Federation. Of yeah. course, one of their top superstars. Of course, a top top babyface in this industry. Yeah. Everyone knew how great he was in the ring as far as a babyface. The matches he would have with Flair just phenomenal. You know, as a babyface, you know doing the things that made this industry great. So yes, I was so fortunate to be living in Charlotte where he also resided, where he also has had his own 
training gym. So I would work out at that gym and also be able to you know, get bits and pieces from his mind every time I worked out, yeah. but also every time we did an event, which was weekends, and we would pretty much run every single weekend. Sometimes we would run four times a week. We were really doing some events. We'd hit North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, Georgia. Sometimes we would do four shots in a row. And, you know, we were draw- drawing some crowds and we were doing some TVs. So I was able to work before the matches with Steamboat in the ring. So, yes, I gleaned so much wisdom and knowledge from Steamboat. Also, I was on many personal appearances with him where we worked in the communities, many different interviews with him, learned so much from him with interviews. And also, again, same thing with Wahoo. Uh, Wahoo more with the character of the Native American and also being that fierce warrior in the ring representing truly who our people are, you know, strong, fierce, warrior, no fear, you know, those kind of things I learned from Wahoo and also having the support of, again, one of the most famous names as far as Native American history in this industry, him and Chief Jay Strombo, it was an honor to have him helping me too. So, yes, I, I gleaned from both of those guys. And I, I was able to work with guys like Matt Bourne, you know, great talent, even uh, Charles Wright, who became Papa Shango. Mm-hmm. He was there also. We had a lot of great talent there. The Nasty Boys was there. There was a lot of good wrestlers that worked in that area that's also been through WCW. So we really had some good talent and really uh, at the beginning there for the guys who were just starting their careers, we were really able to learn a lot because I was only for one year, Sean, I was really blessed. Yeah. It was less than a year. And, and I ended up signing with the World Wrestling Federation Federation the time that I decided to begin this career. It was less than a year. And I had signed with WWF. Yeah, and that, that just blows me away when you think about that, because, you know, I've actually, you know, counted up how many, uh, what the roster was back then. And they would, they had maybe, you know, somewhere depending between 60, 65 superstars. Now that represented the absolute best in the world. Uh, that was, you know, it wasn't like a football team where you've got, you know, 50 something players or where, you know, that was it. And to make that roster. And I remember when you came in, I mean, you took it by storm uh, that, you know, I, I don't know if you look back at that process but uh, it must have been a whirlwind because, not, I mean, I know you were focused, but still to get that call. And, and how did that happen? Well, I mean, of course, George Scott had some influence. But if you, like I always say, you get your foot in the door, that's one thing. You got to go through it. Exactly. Uh, the, the, the way it actually worked is I had three tryouts with the World Wrestling Federation. I, I remember exactly. I had They contacted me when I was in the Charlotte territory, and I think really what helped me, again, getting back to that same thing, and you're starting to see that I'm true when I say about hard work. When our wrestling matches, as far as independence, which was North American Wrestling Association at the time with George Scott, when we were done and all the guys would want to take off and go and do whatever they wanted to do, get back to their hotels or get back home or go have something to eat or whatever they would want to do, I was the one staying back doing the high school interviews. I was the one staying back doing the wrestling magazine interviews. Mm -hmm. So what really helped me in that first year to be able to sign so quickly is I spent the time doing all it. See, I worked for. Who's your app? Uh, when you're talking about that. Uh, well, do you, do you want, do you want to ask the, do you want to ask the question yeah. over and, we, yeah. and I just start from the beginning? Yep. Yep. Cause I'm already. So you could just so. splice. Okay. Yep. Go ahead. And then I'll, and I'll go over it again. Okay. 
<clears throat> so, uh, Chris, it must have been a whirlwind. I mean, I know you were focused, but uh, for it to happen, like you said, within a year, uh, it must have really just kind of blown you away a bit. Can you describe how that all went down? Uh, really what helped me was, again, the knowledge and the wisdom I had gained, as I told you, working hard, you know, working at Bally's, seeing how Bally's conducted business, knowing what I needed to do to hit the kind of numbers I had at Bally's. I had to keep telling people, telling people, telling people, telling people. So I knew marketing myself was key. Mm -hmm. So when I got into wrestling, I knew I, it just wasn't the letting the guys, you know, on TV decide when I was on TV, how about me? I can go do interviews that are free. They're doing free interviews. I can do magazine interviews. So I kept doing those things. And I think what really helped me out is I was doing all those things. I got my name heavily known very, very quickly because I was doing many of them. And then I became runner up for rookie of the year in pro wrestling illustrated. And mm -hmm. as you know, WWE checks all those kind of mm -hmm. things, World Wrestling Federation. Here I am, runner up, rookie of the year, 19, I think it was 1990, okay? And I think that was the year that Steve Austin won wow. uh, rookie of the year, if I remember right. And I was runner up. They see those things. So I think that's probably one of the reasons why WWE was able to reach out to me. But I also know that George Scott had his relationships with Pat Patterson. So phone calls could have been made uh, because, again, George knew that I had that native character. And also, don't forget, too, at that time, Chief J. Strongbow was not only my mentor, but Chief J. Strongbow was a great superstar for World Wrestling Federation being a Native American character. And he was one yeah. of the agents. So it just fitted right at that time. So I, I believe there's a lot of things that played into everything that it was perfect timing. Yeah, and you were ready uh, for that level uh, at that point. And it, it, a lot of times it takes people a lot longer, but you you were ready. And uh, well, how did the how did Tatanka come about? Because I don't, I don't know if you came in as the War Eagle still, or, but how did the name uh, come about? Uh, how, how I began, and WWE even, even had that on uh, vignettes that they did, uh, I forget what the name of the CD uh, case, DVD that they released just not too long ago, but it was, oh, I think it was called Unreleased, Unreleased Matches, and they actually have me coming out as War Eagle yeah. Chris Chavis. That's exactly how I wrestled with NAWA, but what they were doing was my TV matches, which they were filming, okay, but now they're showing him as Unreleased, because I wasn't signed with the company, but it was War Eagle Chris Chavis. I decided that name, but when I came in, Vince was, he was, he was awesome. One of the things he said, he says, you're really Native American. He says, I don't want to do anything that would upset or dishonor your people. He said, can you think, or can you bring some suggestions of a name for your character? Mm -hmm. And he loved that I was from the Lumbee nation. He says, we're going to do stuff right from your sovereign lands. He says, I love that. But he said, won't you look for the name? So I actually did the research myself. I actually started looking for native names. And if anyone have watched native movies, some of the realistic Navy, uh, uh, native movies, uh, like, for, for example, Dances with Wolves. If you look how natives name things, 
You know, they named things like Dances with Wolves. They seen Kevin Costner dancing with wolves, so they called him Dancing with Wolves. Names are very uh, special with natives, and it's more with seeing your characteristic and seeing what you is all about when you get that name. But also most native names are three, four names. So I started researching, going, this is not going to work for wrestling. This is not going to work for wrestling. All of a sudden, I come across this Lakota name, which is Sue. And the name was Tatanka. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh my God, Tatanka. That sounds great. Not only can people chant that, but I realized right around that time or, or right after that time is when Dances of Wolves was hot and they used that name Tatanka in the movie, mm-hmm. you know, and it just sounded right. And I knew that fans could really cheer. And then when I checked the meaning of it, it talked about, again, a bull or a buffalo. Right. I went, oh great meaning. So when I brought it to Vince, he said, what did you find? I said, the name Tatanka. He says, what does it mean? I says, it means Buffalo. He says, great. Love it. Cause you're going to run over your opponents. <laughs> That's great. And, and did so you, you see- know how you, so you, 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 you know how he thinks you've been oh, there. Oh, yeah. So you, you know exactly how he thinks and, and you give him something like that. And he goes, a perfect fit. Boom. There you go. You've already given it to me, and he just connected the other dot, yeah. and that, and that's what happened. It was a whirlwind. Went undefeated for, you know, two years. It was what they always talked about me. The native Tatanka still undefeated. So you know, it's just a great honor because you're, you're wrestling, you know, great names in the industry, like you said, Sean. You know, the best of the best was there. You know, you know, the best of the best. Some of the greatest superstars in the wrestling world were all in one place. It was just amazing. So no matter who you wrestled up there, they were, you know, not only did they earn to be there, but they were superstars in their own right. You know, they were great wrestlers in their own right. So to be able to go on a two year undefeated streak in world wrestling federation, that's something, you know, not only always remembered by the fans, but always will be remembered and cherished by me. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, like we mentioned, the, the pride you have with your people. And did you always uh, have in your mind you wanted to do something to move your people forward? And and uh, did, were you aware of that at the time? Because like you said, you were very careful about the name that you selected and uh, you know what you were trying to do besides you know be successful as a professional wrestler. But did you feel that you also had another responsibility? Oh, definitely, without a shot of a doubt, because I I fully understood that you're representing a, a great nation of people. When you when you spend time with the natives, I mean, truly spend time with the elders, you know, you'll find out that, you know, just, you know, great people, you know, mm-hmm. family, you know, they respect life, they respect others, you know. Uh, so so when you when you see people who are humble and, and, and how they are and what they speak of, you don't want to disrespect that at all. You know, that's, you know, that's all good. So you never want to disrespect good, but you know, yes, it was something I was definitely careful from, from day one. I didn't want to do anything that was mocking or anything. Even the red hair, uh, Vince came to me, the red Mohawk to red hair has a native tribe ever done this. I'd said, yes, the Mohawk nation, they would take red berries. They would crush red berries and dye their hair with red berries. And they would actually have red Mohawks. So, you know, it was things that we represented that we were not represented as sometimes people might try to think cartoonish, but it's truly things that were represented. And, and, and you know, Sean, here's how you know the biggest impact of what you just a- uh, asked me. The biggest impact, if you've done things right, is one of the greatest responses that I've had 
is from Native Americans all over the world. I can't tell you how many people that I've had. I've had people who were getting ready to commit suicide, Native Americans, mm. and seeing me as a Native on TV having the success and it changed their mind from not committing suicide. People who uh, gave up on their education, their diplomas, went back and got their diplomas, went on to to further go and have a career and start a family and kids. The natives who had totally had given up hope seeing me, and I can't tell you how many, and I'm not talking about one or two thousands upon thousands of responses that you get when you finally get away from WWE and you can finally speak to the people more, you realize how much of an impact you made to your own race, meaning the Native Americans. So, so yes, we've done the right thing because we've encouraged, we've lifted up the people in our own, in our own nation, which is the Native American and indigenous and First Nations people. So, and that's what I'm working on now. I'm working on projects. It's funny that you asked, and I'm, I won't get into that, but uh, again, what I was looking at then is still what I'm looking at now, taking it to a different platform that we can even reach more of the Native nations and, and be able to assist and, and help out in, in ways that, uh, that will be tremendous. So, so, yes, that was definitely my heart to not only represent my, my people, but to also be someone that can stand there and have the success of World Wrestling Federation and have these stories to not say like my football coach used to say in high school when we were state champions. He said, when you're 30 years old and you're on the street corner, don't say we could have been champions. When you're 30 years old on the street corner and you're talking to your friends or you're out or whatever you're doing, you can say we were 1976 triple state Virginia football state champions. So, you know, so it, 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 it's, it, it's just, you know, uh, tremendous. So, so it's been an awesome ride, Sean. And, and it's amazing, you know, that I'm still, uh, even today, I won't get ahead of myself, but I'm still on contract with the same company, WWE. So it's really been a blessing. It's been awesome. Yeah. And we'll get to that, but I want to get back to this point you just made about, you know, uh, you were, you were trying to, uh, you know, show, educate people a lot of ways about your, about uh, Native Americans and uh, that about the successful part of, uh, of uh, what you could do uh, in the world of professional wrestling. But did you ever face uh, any criticism? Because you, you said, it, you know, you got to, you got to be careful that there, there isn't a mocking, like your people think you're mocking it. And a lot of times you get, no. you get when these groups come in and this reminds me of like, yeah. you know, how sports teams, like we're an example, the Atlanta Braves or something, or a team that, you know, they are celebrating uh, Native Americans, but people take it like you're not. And did you ever of face course. any blowback? No. And I'm, I'm going to tell you two things, you know. Yeah. Uh, number one, no. Uh, did I have a few naysayers from the, from the sidelines say something here or there, yeah. like you shouldn't be wearing a headdress? Yeah, a few times. But, huh, <laughs> thousands upon millions of positive responses all the time. Yeah. You're never, ever going to make everyone happy, but you can make 99.9% happy. And that's how it was always with me. Never negative with the native American character. Uh, actually, actually people connected with me more. And the reason they connected with me more because anyone who knows the history of our people has an instant sympathy and people, if they'd ever did any research with me, they knew I was truly native American from the Lumbee nation of North Carolina. It's not hard to find out where I come come from and if I'm truly native or not. So, yeah. so no, I never, 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 never had that. But also Sean on the other flip point, the second point I want to make about that, we're in a different culture, culture, 
culture now. Yeah. People are different now. Yeah. We've allowed we've allowed things that would not be talked about. Now, you know, people want to try to erase history. We're allowing everyone to speak. We're allowing every thought to be heard. And, and we're allowing every thought to, you know, uh, actually change things that should never be changed. But yeah, you, you have a lot of tribes, or excuse me, you have a lot of people that are trying to stop things out there like tribal mascots, Native American mascots, and all those things. And I can understand sometimes when it has the word redskins, and the only reason why they're being specific about that, because that's what the white man called the native back in that time, not Native American, you know, not First Nations or indigenous, they called them the redskins. So that's the reason they don't like that word. But again, it's a different culture today than back then. You wouldn't hear that. Today's world it's different, but even with today's world, I've been back to WWE 2005, 2010, even WrestleMania. Still didn't hear hear anything from anybody, but it is a different culture, Sean. You know, now today's world, you know, you got to be very, very careful in how you portray something because then you've got some kind of group trying to say something. And I think that's bad because, like, like you just said, there's some people out there that try to really honor the Native Americans. Let me give you a perfect example. My good friends I just thought of. The Seminoles. I'm friends mm-hmm. with the chief of the Seminoles. I'm friends with James Billy, the current chief. I'm friends with the previous chief, uh, Mitchell, uh, Mitchell Cypress. Uh, I'm also friends with uh, the board of directors, and they're the ones who created the Seminole mascot for the Florida State Seminoles. Yeah. But they went to them, and they told them, this is our history, this is how he should look, and this is our traditional wear, and they just made sure it was authentic to honor our people. Mm-hmm. So I don't let you know there's a lot of things that I think native nations could be focusing on because we have a lot of problems on native lands changing a mascot. Yeah, it could be good, but is it really going to change what's happening in reservation lands? No, it's not. No, it's not. We have to address the problems right on reservation lands and, and address those situations and bring those to change. Yeah. And I know you're, you're even doing that today, but, um, going back to some of these, uh, more memorable times in the WWF, uh, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of superstars that were a part of that era. And at the time, it's just uh, you're focused on what you're doing and you don't really get a chance to look around. Uh, but when you think about that first WrestleMania uh, in your short journey, I mean, and then here you are at the Hoosier Dome in front of 62,000 people uh, facing Rick Martel. What do you remember of that, that, uh, that experience? Well, uh, some of the great things I remember is number one, wow, my first WrestleMania, <laughs> Be, being there at the WrestleMania, you know, then it was the, the week, weekend WrestleMania. Now it's a whole week of that, yeah, but being yeah. there for the whole weekend, the build up to that Sunday, walking into this huger dome, this monster of a building that seated, I don't know how many it seated in there, but just this monster of a building. And in knowing it's WrestleMania eight, having your tribe bring you out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those were actually members of my tribe that brought me out to the ring and and Ray little turtle that was also involved in all of our, you know, our tribal dance and sing groups. He was also the one that was on Monday night raw when they bestowed the ceremonial headdress to me when, uh, Wahoo and, uh, also chief, um, uh, Strombo and, uh, Strombo and Vince was together. So Ray Little Turtle. Yeah. So having them, my tribe there, and then I'm also wrestling 
Rick the model Martell. I mean, a great superstar, a great villain known. So it was a huge thing. It was just tremendous. I just had to kind of like just take a deep breath of air. I'd already been through many WWF events, but now here you are at the big one. And I knew that I knew just like everything else, you know, hard work, give it your best. And, and that's all you can do. Hard work, give it your best. And, and we just, we went out there and had a great match with uh, Rick, the model Martell and just set me in motion for the next WrestleMania. It set me in motion for, for being at WWF. Cause you know, when you're in that spot is, you know, Sean, you got to produce. Yeah. And there's so many, so many moments we could talk about and so many of the superstars that you were, you wrestled with, but I, I just, you know, some of the, the events stand out to me and, uh, one of them was was SummerSlam in, in at Wembley Stadium in '92, um, you know where there's eighty thousand. Um, you know I, I don't know if they blend into you because there were quite a few, but uh, do those those events were they they were just bigger you know than ever. I mean uh, they 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 don't and, and being in another country uh, must have given you a lot of pride, uh, made you very proud to be be over there and being a part of that. To the world. Well, uh, yeah, being on, uh, here's what was so cool about those tours. Yeah. What was so cool about those tours, first of all, here you are coming from North Carolina, living in Virginia. Now you started traveling the United States, but here you are traveling international. Yeah. Okay. Here you are going to the UK. You're already being on tours, you know, but what was so great about that when you pull up to the buildings, just uh, to the hotels, the fan base was so thick, you know, there's just so many great wrestling fans doing that era that would that be at that be at the hotels driving to the buildings driving to the venues miles beforehand seeing all the merchandise all the fans coming to to wrestlemania or like you said SummerSlam, wembley stadium that event was overwhelming just would be at the uk but being at wembley stadium an historic stadium and and what was so what i remember about that building the most is when you stood in the middle of the ring okay and you and you looked out the building wasn't built up like how the new state-of-the-art buildings are it was way out so it looked like a sea of people the back row of people were so far away it just looked like so much more than eighty thousand people and just what was tremendous at that time too again you know, as I found with my travels, the UK and Germany were areas where my character was very strong. I was very fortunate that when they would do merchandise sales, that my they, they would have me on a on a merchandise ring with three different pictures. One was Undertaker, one was Bret the Hitman Hart, and the other one was me. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm here with the Undertaker right. <laughs> and. Brett the Hitman Hart. So, boy, I took tremendous pride just to be in the group of those two superstars. But my merchandising was just doing tremendous at that time. And and it's just I just think it's again, like I said, the connection to that Native American character and just the way that it was played with me and them knowing truly my heritage that I was native, I really connected with the UK people. So again, SummerSlam was tremendous. I, I remember that very well. You know, and, and you mentioned the, that how strong a character Tatanka was. And uh, that you bring up a good point because people ask me that all the time. What was it about those guys? And one of the things I tell them is that because the, 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 the characters were just so strong and so different. Everybody, 
and and they lived those characters in a sense. I mean, you guys, uh, you know, of course you had your your own lives, but when you were uh, a part of that world, you lived it, and that was in and out of the ring. And I think that that and and you and they weren't handing you a piece of paper and say, okay, hey, uh, Tatanka, here here read this. You know what I mean? No, no, no. It's just such a different yeah. era, and, and you hit it. You know, you you had larger than life characters yeah, yeah. that would tell great storylines in the ring. And the way, one of the greatest ways they would tell that storyline is that character they portrayed, they portrayed it from beginning to end, yeah. no matter who it was, the ultimate warrior <laughs> or, again, the Bushwhackers or Legion of Doom or Hulk Hogan or Shawn Michaels, the sexy boy toy yeah. or the Native American Tatanka or Bam Bam Bigelow. All larger than life characters that portrayed those characters with great storybook in the ring and, yeah. and also the interviews. Never scripted. It was like you know, WrestleMania nine, two weeks out, you and Shawn Michaels, you, you'd stand to the side, you'd think for a second, get in front of the monitor and speak the truth of what's going on. Yeah. You know, speak the truth. You know, they were so more, the uh, interviews were so much em more emotionally felt. We, we got the kid, the fans to be so much more emotionally invested into each and every one of the characters. And what was tremendous too, no one looked alike. Yeah. Everyone was unique. So everyone was their own superstar. Everyone who walked out the curtain was the superstar. Not now that everyone walks out with boots, tights, knee pads, and they all look the same and weighing about the same and also having about the same body type. Okay. But no, everyone looked different. Yeah. So a group of people would hook to that character that they just fell in love with and would be emotionally tied. And we had just, just tremendous storylines then that would last for a year, not last for two weeks, but last for a year. Yeah. And storylines yeah. that meant something. I get a ceremony, a headdress since it's tax time. We'll talk about this. IRS says, Hey, you got to pay gift tax on that. Yeah. I go, no, I don't. I'm a native American. No, I don't. He finally gets his opportunity to get his hands on it and destroys it. Yeah. Everyone knows that's a no, no with native Americans. Cause not only we don't go buy those, you earn those. Also, they're not just a toy. They're sacred yeah. items. Yeah. Okay. They resemble many different things, but you earn them. So what a great storyline. Everyone would know why I would want to attack IRS and destroy him and get my revenge in the ring. The storylines today are not the storylines what they were then. It's just like that movie. Uh, what's that movie with the, uh, God, what's the movie with Kevin Costner? A field of dreams, okay, yeah, yeah. you know, and the guy's speaking about bringing back all that was good. Uh, what's his, the, the black African-American, which is a great actor on there. He's talking about the, the olden times, bringing back all that was good. That was what was so great doing that era, Sean. Yeah. It just, everything was so good about it. Great characters. We have the good guy versus the villain and, and, and eventually the good guy would always overcome. Yeah, the great story. Why do yeah. we watch Rocky Balboa every single week? Right. Every single week. How many times have people all over seen Rocky Balboa? But you'll watch it again and again and again. And you're in the movie. Yo, Adrian, I did it. You're yeah. in the movie. Why? 
it tells a great story. It tells of a great baby face coming against someone who's, you know, cocky, arrogant, the bad guy, trying to take advantage. But again, the hero overcoming in the end. Everyone wants that kind of story that touches people. That's that part of everyone that everyone likes that when they feel that they feel life. You know, we emotionally touch people during that time. So it's just a different realm. It's a different realm. Yeah, and also, and as I mentioned, you know, there there were uh, a number of superstars, and you could be at a certain level, but you had to realize you were at the top when you were going against people like Shawn Michaels, who, you know, everybody knows was one of the greatest workers ever, uh, and you were, you were working with this guy. So did you uh, realize you were kind of at the pinnacle, you were among the elite? Well, you know, I didn't think of it that way because, you know, one thing about me throughout all these years in the WWE universe will say this because I speak to them consistently. I answer them. I thank them. I I spend time with them. I've been a person that's been very, very humble, you know, and and thankful. So, so, but I knew instantly working with guys like Shawn Michaels, I wasn't looking like what I'm trying to say while I arrived. I was like, wow, this is an honor. This is awesome. You know, because as someone who wants to go out there and truly entertain the fans, and that's what all of us, everyone who steps into a ring wants to do, you know, when you get out there with a name and a superstar of that level, Shawn Michaels, you know, wow, now this can be awesome. We can have a lot of fun here. You know, not only can we make money, but man, we can have a lot of fun here, meaning entertaining the fans, entertaining the WWE Universe, World Wrestling Federation fans during that time. So, yeah, a great honor to be in there with guys like uh, Shawn Michaels, definitely. And especially, you know, never before in history, in which I didn't realize till later, had a WrestleMania ever started with a title match. So we, what I understood was the first one to ever begin with a title match. So obviously Vince felt enough confidence in Sean and I with the matches that we had already had and the responses that the fans had already given that it would just be a great kickoff to WrestleMania. And I, what a, you know, what a, yeah, you could be in a position you're sweating real big, <laughs> or it could be like, what an honor, we're kicking off WrestleMania 9. Yeah, and, and you work with so many others. And like I said, we could go on and on with Lex and, and Bam Bam Bigelow and, uh, you know, just some of these guys. Were there, were there ones that you really uh, that stood out to you that you really liked to work with? Well, it, 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 Sean, we had great matches, yeah. just uh, fantastic matches, and, and, and the fan, and it was just good timing for me with Sean doing that time because I was on that two-year undefeated streak. Everything was leading for me to go to the next step, and the next step was a title. Mm-hmm. So that's the reason they were so hot with me and Sean. They really wanted to see that title in my hands, but, but Titanic battles in the ring that, you know, I would wrestle, for example, Bam Bam. I remember wrestling him in Berlin, Germany, when he cut my red hair mm. uh, and the German fan base. As a matter of fact, I'm going to Germany next weekend mm. uh, on a big event in Germany, but uh, um, it, it was tremendous because when he cut my red hair, it just, the people of Germany were just so strong with my character. Mm. And it was a long story to that, to why. So I remember wrestling him in Berlin Berlin. It was so loud in Berlin. Not only was it sold out, it, it was so loud that I could have yelled at Bam Bam in the ring and he couldn't even hear me. The, the Germans were so loud, the ring was vibrating. <laughs> it was just so tremendous, the chanting and how you know some of those international tours would be. Me and Bam Bam just had a great chemistry. You had this 400 pound 
looking crazy villain type of guy, you know, wrestling this Native American. I mean, it was just a great mix. And, you know, he cut the, the hair that, that symbolized all the bloodline of all the Native nations that I vowed when I got the red mohawk, what it symbolized. And, and, and he cuts it. So, again, good, a good storyline. So we did uh, tremendous battles with him. Great battles with IRS, great battles with Yokozuna, the World Wrestling Federation champion, and of course, a great swerve that people uh, always talk to me about, always one of the number one things they talk to me about is when I joined with the Million Dollar Stable and uh, Ted DiBiase and did the turn with Lex Luger at SummerSlam. Yeah, yeah, that uh, definitely stands out. And and you mentioned the two-year streak, and, you know, uh, we know how this works, that, uh, unless you're over, uh, you're not going to remain unbeaten. And so uh, you must have uh, felt that that was a great tribute to what you were doing and, and what you were bringing to the WWF, WWE. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Let, let, me give you, let me give you a big, big thing that I've realized throughout uh, all these years. And you don't realize, like you said, uh, you're there working hard. And as you know, you know the schedule 300 days a year during that time. And on weekends, we would do double shots. So you're all you're thinking about is being your best in that ring, training during the day, getting to the other town when you get home, recovering, getting ready to go back and hit the hit the road again for ever how many days. Yeah. So, you know, so, you know, you, you don't re- you don't realize you don't realize a lot of things uh, when you're out there uh, running, Sean. But you, know, you just I, I forgot my train of thought there again. You asked me. But, but that, that you must have realized that what you were bringing to the WWF, because you know, you don't remain unbeaten. They'll, they'll, for two years, unless you're over big time. And you're, you're- of course. Well, of course. But, you know, you're so working, what I was trying to get to, you're so working, you're really not thinking about that. You know, you're really, you know, you're getting, as you know, there's so many events. You're traveling, you're traveling. That's what I said. When you get away from the business, that's when you realize, like, wow, here's what I wanted to bring to that. What I've got a way to realize is this. During that era, some of the guy, greatest guys in our industry who did, not, who did not have a title. But what I found out about the business, too, is I found out that, you know, if you already were over, if you already had the fan base, if they were already behind you, if they were already buying your merchandise, if you were already doing well in that spot, you don't have to have the belt. They always use those belts as a tool to take someone over the top, as you know. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's it's a great honor to be able to be on an undefeated streak for two years, but also to be working with those kind of names and not have to have a title around your waist and be able to work with those kind of names and stay undefeated for two years. So yeah, you, you don't realize it then because you're so busy running, but when you hear it from people in our industry, when you hear the facts about other great names in our industry, you go, wow. So yeah, I look back, I'm very, very appreciative that, that not only was I able to accomplish that for two years and work with the great names and not have a main title in World Wrestling Federation and be able to have the popularity and sell merchandise and as soon as I came in day one, Vince was putting merchandise on me. Yeah. 
you know, the first Jack guy who was joking with me about it was Undertaker. We became very close at the beginning. He was going, look at this young kid. He's getting a poster already, T-shirts, you know. He was joking with me, though. But what an honor. I'm coming right into WWF, and, you know, I've only been training for one year. I'm signed with the biggest company in the world, and I'm already getting merchandise. I'm not thinking of it like that, but when you think about it now, you go, wow. Very fortunate, very blessed to be in that position. Yeah, and uh, it was, I mean, you had a meteoric rise with the company. It's just amazing. But uh, you, you, did, you did face some, some adversity. And uh, I want to talk about a, a frightening point in your career where not only your career, but your, your name and reputation were, were on the line in 95 after a, a woman uh, was, had a pending lawsuit claiming that she'd been sexually assaulted and how did you get drawn into that in the first place? And then how did the truth finally come out that like, you had nothing to do with it? Um, well, actually, you know, just say, as you know, in our business, um, um, we, this is your family. <laughs> you're, you're on the road 300 days a year. Uh, and uh, in my first six, six to seven years, I literally hit 300 days every single year, first six years, you know? So, you know, that was a lot, a lot of time on the road. So this is your family. So you're staying in hotels, your expenses, you know, people would always try to uh, share in expenses, meaning share rental cars. You're on the road 300 days a year, sharing your hotel expenses because at the end of the year, as the veteran, veterans in our business would always say, they say, it's not what you make, it's what you keep. Yeah. So a way, a way a lot of guys were doing that is, again, getting double rooms, you know, getting a car together, saving costs, saving expenses. Because when you're on the road 300 days a year, plus food, plus gym costs, plus whatever else you needed while on the road, not including hotels, rental cars. And if you wanted to go and enjoy yourself and do whatever, all those expenses were on you. Yeah. So you, you wanted to keep your expenses down. So unfortunately, when I first came into the business, you know, I was rooming with certain individuals. And one of those times I was rooming with Jimmy Del Rey. And uh, Jimmy Del Rey was not a guy that I hung out with, but uh, the only reason why I hooked up with him because he lived in Tampa, you know, and a lot of times guys would leave on the same tour, fly into where you're going to, and since you're already on the plane, coming in at the same time, hey, you want to get a car together, you want a room together, and usually everyone always says yes, but it always makes the perfect sense because you're, you're both flying back to the same place, you're going to be going back to the airport, same to, you know, all of those things. So I roomed with J- Jimmy Del Rey. Uh, the group of guys had been out. Uh, I don't know all the particulars, but everyone knows after many things have came out about this over years that this was Jimmy Del Rey's uh, M.O. He used to you know, uh, do crazy things with girls, you know, um, uh, and give them pills, whatever, whatever that would be. And then do crazy things with them, you know, mm-hmm. and, and everyone said that was his MO even before he came to, I guess, WWF. I don't know, but I do know that this one event that, uh, we were rooming on, everyone had been out. I had went back to my room. I was back in my room already earlier you know, I was a guy, you know, I would go out with the boys at times, but I wasn't someone that always wanted to be out all the time. Again, knowing that I had to get up the next day, wanting to work hard, wanting to be ready for the next day, having to get to an airport. I was already in my bed, but Jimmy Del Rey that night had actually 
done some things with a girl. And because I was rooming with him that night, that's how I got pulled into the whole story. So until the truth came out in the matter and until facts came out in the matter, uh, it was a question was to talk involved or was he not involved when the truth and the facts came out, I was totally not involved and I wasn't involved. And again, they found out again, this was Jimmy's MO and everyone knew that. And even Kevin Nash had done a video during that time. You know, he had already knew that it was, uh, Jimmy Del Rey and everyone knew it was Jimmy Del Rey. But again, you know, as far as the company during that time, you know, it was something that anyone being involved had to be checked that you weren't involved. And as soon as WWF found out I wasn't involved, everything was perfect. And we we're back off and running with uh, the same things that we we're doing at that time, meaning moving uh, at that time I was in the, uh, I think the storyline with the, uh, uh, Lex right around that time yeah. or right after Lex at that time, I think possibly. Yeah. And, and, uh, but you did, you did get suspended. So, um, how scary was that and when, when you're in a situation like that? And I mean, this is your, like I said, it wasn't just your, uh, your, your job. I mean, this was your life. And, and of course, of course. Well, it, it, the thing that I knew is the biggest thing is when you know the truth and you know the truth's on your on your side and you hadn't done anything, you knew that eventually that that would come out. But yeah. uh, you know, you also know how people can be and are people going to you know uh, say the truth and is everything going to come out or is everyone just going to hush up and, and not say things, but everyone knew it it, was, it's not, I didn't even know this, but the people who have been in the industry for a long time, obviously this was a very common thing with Jimmy Del Rey. And, and, and as soon as it happened, there was many who after the fact told me they knew it was him but you know they you know as anything with WWE when you hear something that could be troublesome you stay away from it. <laughs> so, but it just the facts came out and yeah. But was it something that I was concerned about? Of course, you know, because this is my career that you talk about, and, and and I have a suspension at the current time. But it was it did not go long. It was a very very short short period of time. And as soon as that we got all the matters cleared up and legally, uh, everything was cleared up and it was clear evidence that I was not involved. It was in within weeks I was restated back to WWF. And, and how did that change you, uh, Chris, after that? Oh, uh, it, ch- it changed me. It changed me big time. I don't, I don't room with guys. I haven't room with guys. I can't tell you I'm not saying that guys are bad, but right. you know, there are certain guys that, you know, especially probably back during those eras that, you know, were just involved in things that maybe you just don't want to be involved in because you could be thrown and being involved with it. And it's not that you're going to get in trouble for it, but you just don't want your names mixed in with things like that because it can cause a little headache for yourself like it did me. It caused a little headache for a few weeks as soon as everything was resolved. It was resolved. Jimmy, they got got rid of him uh, uh, from the company, but, you know, uh, it's just tremendous that after the fact, I didn't realize that so many people knew this about Jimmy. You know, I mean, obviously he had been doing that for, for many, many years. Yeah, well, you guys, you guys were rock stars. I mean, that that it really was that kind of life back then, and and it was oh, definitely, without sh- oh, definitely, without a shot of a doubt. Well, let me let me give you a perfect example. Uh, again, I've been at the new WWE, okay, 
And when you go to the, uh, whatever you want to call the, the event hotel where the WWE superstars and talent staying at, it, it, you can come into the lobby, you can come into the bar area, and it's quiet as quiet can be. You can yeah. hear crickets. Yeah. And it's not saying anything about the business today, meaning it was a different thing then. All yeah. the guys would go out. All the guys were very you know, out in the, the fan base of World Wrestling Federation during that time. And because they knew that we were out and they knew that, you know, some of us were approachable to a certain extent, they were out. So we'd come to our hotels and the hotels would be jam packed yeah. with fans. You yeah. couldn't even get through the front door. You'd fight <laughs> to just get to the elevator to take your bags to the room, yeah. you know? So it was like a show after the show. So it, it was just a tremendous time. And I think what you're saying, I just think all entertainment during that time, like you say, in rock bands, the, you know, the fan base that was following the rock bands then, you know, not saying they're not today, but man, it was just a total different realm during that time. Yeah, you, you really had to keep your head on your shoulders, meaning you could be a guy who's pretty good, but if you don't keep your head on your shoulders, you know, you could start getting yourself in trouble very easily yeah. when you have all that kind of attention around you and all kind of things going on. You got to keep your head on your shoulders, especially working for a company like WWE that you're on the road 300 days a year. You miss, you miss a few shows. You're going to be in trouble. Of course, as you know. Yeah. Well, and you had to get up and you had to go find a gym and you have to, eat of course, you got to, you know, you've got to stay in shape and then you got to get, to of the course. Arena. People, yeah. Pe- I mean, people don't know the demand. They, oh, they don't know. Yeah, people didn't people didn't realize that we were on the road every single day, yeah. but that that day involved just not wrestling. You know, do you guys get together and practice doing the day practice? Yeah. I'm getting up from being I'm getting up this morning in another in another state. Yeah. I flew here. First, I had to return my rental car, check out of my hotel, fly, come here, get a rental car, get a hotel, go get a bite to eat, go work out, go back to my hotel, get ready, then come to the building just on time. Yeah. Hello, yeah. it's a full day's work, so. So yeah, it's good to get out and enjoy yourself. But I was just one of those guys that, you know, yeah, I enjoyed a little bit of that when I, when I first got into the business, but then I realized very, very quickly with this schedule, no, no, no. And I started spending my time by myself so I could go to my room when I wanted to go lay down when I wanted to leave when I wanted, you know what I'm saying? Because I wanted to always be able to work hard that next day. If you, if you're not getting your rest, you're not going to survive. And you can see today you know, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, some guys still from that era that who just, you know, never gave their bodies that kind of rest. You know, they've, they've suffered from it. You know, from not getting that rest anymore. every night. Yeah, of course. You know, not with us any longer. You know, still out doing the same old things. You, you know, the body's strong, but man, you got to give it rest. You got to take care of it. You know, so. So I just stayed away from all that scene. But that's really what I learned from that um, episode with Jimmy Del Rey. I instantly said, well, that's it. I'm not going to be rooming with anybody else. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, I would have guys that would ask me. i go, no, you know. So I would just pay the expense myself, have my tax account, and write off what he could write off. And, uh, and I was fine with the rest because I had my own peace. I wasn't going to be involved. I was never involved in another scenario because I was never around a scenario yeah. like that that I could ever be put into yeah you didn't put yourself in that situation in, in 19- no yeah. I, I learned very quickly right from the get-go yeah chris in 1996 um you know you're still over big time you're, you're doing matches with brett and but it, it did it start to wait did it start to wear on you and and what led to your departure 
when you uh, it, it really wasn't the, it really wasn't the wearing on on me at that time. Yeah, we we had done a lot, but uh, you know I was still strong, no injuries, none of that. It's just at that time in '96, if you remember, because I remember it very clearly, I was part of it. That's when WCW and 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 us World Wrestling Federation. You remember that's when oh, yeah. a couple of the stars went to WWF, and that's when things started to change. And Vince was spending a lot of time on the TV program, uh, our TV program. You know, speaking of you know WCW and WCW was spending advertisements speaking about us trying to to diss each other. You know, and, and even Chief J Strombo looked at me and said, you know, it might be a good time to take a break now. Meaning, you know, just the business was in a was in a different realm during that time, you know, and also when, when WCW finally did take the ratings, it really was a different time during that time. Also, you know, for me at that time, what was a great issue was I had, I was working with Brett and I already turned heel, but what, what had happened then was, you know, we only had a few good heels they could get out there and work jeff jarrett was one of them i was one of them and some of the new guys who were coming in that they wanted us to help to to get strong one of those guys was a guy by the name of ahmed johnson Mm -hmm. you know and 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 ahmed was just you know nothing against him but man he was just not ready he was very very strong he was very very careless in the ring and he was hurting guys you know and i'm not saying he meant to do it but he just was not uh trained fully properly in doing the things you could really hurt guys what he was doing in the ring so we were having a really rough time with new talent coming in or new baby faces doing that time of guys who we, who we could work with and and have programs with you know and he was just terrible at the time and me and jeff were working with him so it was just it was a down time as far as the company i think it was a down time as far as talent for heels to be working with you know storyline wise and, uh, and and as you know during that time there was just a big focus with big, both companies trying to attack each other during that time yeah. so it was just it was just, it just a different time and plus also i was very very smart I had done very well with WWF and I'd saved my money. I'd put my money away. So I wasn't a guy that's going, Oh my God, next week, what am I going to do? I have no money. No, I invested my money and I already had bought a nice place. So I was able to, you know, be able to take time off, start a family, which I was glad that I did because, you know, my wife reminds me now that, you know, if we wouldn't have done that, would we have the four awesome kids that we have today? And I think, and I go, you know what? That that could have been the case, meaning if I wouldn't have taken yeah. that short break to yeah. get away from the business, would I taken time to, to start a family, to start our, having our first kid, and also to be there, just not, you know, uh, have a baby, but they'd be on the road, and mom's having the baby, mom's raising the baby, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. To actually be there for those special moments. So I was able to take time off because I'd save money and, and be away from the business for a couple of years. So, so there was a lot of decisions with me during that time why I took some time and stepped away during that time. Yeah, and you did some independent work, but um, really reemerged, in, and I think in, in 2005 was just supposed to be uh, like a one-off. You were going to come on and make an appearance, but, uh, you were too good, I guess. <laughs> they said, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly what it was. It was supposed to be a one thing. It was with the, uh, it was with the uh, Eugene uh, Invitational with Kurt Angle with the Olympic gold medalist and then uh, inviting a local hero. And uh, that night, in my favor, we Monday Night Raw was at uh, Mohegan Sun on native sovereign lands and who shows up the native America Tatanka. It's supposed to have been just a one-off, but the response was so well that by the time I got through the curtain, they were already talking to me about, uh, about more. We're back to work. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. And I, and I already already had spoken to Vince then too. And Vince had spoken some great things about how I looked and, and it kind of, you know, just I, that I had an age. So, so they knew that I had more years than me and just, uh, what's just tremendous is I came from just a great era. Sean, you know, that era, man, I come from a great era, having a character, having something unique, something that was different, something that was memorable. You know, and you talk about how the guys look, you know, so different, you know, it's funny because you see the guys today from my era, just like honky tonk man being involved finally inducted into the hall of fame where he came out exactly how he looks today is exactly how he looked back in the day. Yeah. Jimmy Hart, same thing, me, same thing. You know, we're true real life characters, man. So we really had something that was, you know, really, really unique. So bringing that, you know, coming back with that return in 2005, people had never forgot. So they just boom, jumped right on us. It was great. Cause I was able to be there from 2005 to 2007 and have more time and then come back with the legends uh the monday night old school raw in 2010 and then uh, eventually you know um uh end up being contacted and then now being on a legends contract and being at wrestlemania 32 <laughs> yeah you're a lifer there's uh you're in now um yes and what is that what is all and we fast forward here but uh really to become one of the, you know, to get a legends contract. I mean, there's uh it's not a big, big list. And uh, what did that mean to you? First of all, to, to have that now. And then also, what is that? What does it consist of? A lot of people wonder. Uh, well, legends contract is, is awesome because again, uh, uh, I said this before, I mean, come on, if you're in this industry, mm -hmm. the pro wrestling industry and the sports entertainment industry, uh, anytime you're in bed with WWE, you're right where you need to be. I mean, I'm one of the guys that have never, no matter what has happened in the ring or not happened in the ring, you know, Vince McMahon has done a tremendous, unbelievable job with this whole industry. I mean, it's tremendous what he's accomplished and what he continues to do in this industry. This company now is doing over $900 million dollars per year, 930 to be exact last year, $930.2 million, you know, and so it's tremendous what WrestleMania's began, that now the city's hosting, earn over a hundred million. It's going to be in my city. I don't live in Tampa, but it's going to be in Tampa next year. So yeah. you're talking about over a hundred million dollars of revenue that WWE is bringing. That is a good thing. It's just not for wrestling only. Our industry impacts other people. It affects other people in a good way. So to be involved with WWE is just actually to me tremendous because you're again with you were the number one company uh, a brand that is known worldwide and, and again the greatest names of our industry is with WWE and of course no greater name than the owner himself Vince McMahon what he's done is just tremendous so to be on the legends contract it's, it's a great honor because to be on a contract from that company that's tremendous. You got a lot of companies out there that have their hall of fames and nothing against that, but 
from the WWE, the leading, you know, the hallmark, that's mm-hmm. tremendous. So it's a great honor to be on a contract with names like, again, the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase, you know, to be on a legends contract with guys like uh, uh, Jimmy Hart, the mouth of the South, you know, to be on contracts with Hall of Famers, uh, a legends contract that deals with the Hall of Famers and the great names of our industry. You know, what a blessing that is. And what, what it really involves in, it, it involves, it's a multi-year deal it's just not a one-year deal it's a multi-year year deal that involves uh not only appearances not only uh potential wrestlemania appearances meaning not only at wrestlemania access but if you're able to be in like the andre the giant battle royal to be in those kind of uh matches or even in a singles match you know uh it gives you that opportunity on the biggest stage which only would be wrestlemania Plus, it's a huge merchandising uh, contract, and it's a huge introducing you to the new WWE Universe fan base. So now they have you heavily involved on the WWE Network. They have all of your stuff on the WWE Network as they're introducing you to today's fan base letting everyone know who you are so they have more footage of you and then you do merchandising lines like the elite action figure line so you become part of the elite the Mattel line uh if you're fortunate enough you you're involved in the games i've been wwe 2k 17 18 and very blessed to be in in this year too wwe 2k 19 and looking forward to to many other years of being in the game because now they've taken your character they've taken everything and like people say more you into a video game, but also as far as talent, as far as WWE, uh, it's a huge payday, you know, uh, to be involved in those games because it's one of WWE's biggest products. So not only are you getting paid very well from WWE, but you, you're, you're being introduced to the market that you're making money in. You're being introduced to the new WWE universe. And, and, and because of that, it, it not only does it take the current things that you're doing, like the third party events that you're doing and increase those things. But it also, which is done with me too, by people knowing in WWE announced when they put me on the legends contract, it also puts you in a different category because WWE wants you out there representing who they say you are a legend. Meaning also when I go somewhere, I represent that with the fees and the things that I asked and require because WWE wants you to be who you are, who they say you are a legend. So it's helped me even in third party bookings that I'm so busy that I travel all. I've always been busy even when I wasn't on contract with WWE because I've just been fortunate to have a great career and a great push by WWF in the beginning. They just kept my career going the whole time and it's still going today. Like you said, a lifer, but it all began with that first tremendous push starting in a tremendous industry. That's maybe being known because of being in that industry. Like Jimmy Hart said, there's a lot of guys today that you hear their name. You're going to forget who they are five years from now, but guys from my era, the eighties and nineties, everyone knows the name. Yeah. Even 20, 30 years. That's tremendous. You know, so you're still remembered. So, so, so it's really great with the the legends contract because the WWE network is great. I would tell you this to end with this shot. I can't tell you how many kids I see now. They walk up to the table, they're five, six years old and they go, you're my greatest wrestler. I'm your biggest fan. <laughs> yeah, and, you and talk- I go, wait a minute. Yeah. I go, wait a minute. You're, you're five. You're five years old. I know you were watching me in 1990. Hold on now. It's the WWE, WWE Network. Network. Yep. So, so, you know, you got to understand that and understand what Vince has done, you know, is also 
you know, yes, he has a tremendous network and uh, doing some tremendous revenue, but for talent, for us too, you know, it's tremendous because there you are, your character, your matches, it's on the network 24 yeah. seven. So there you are archived. So people can watch and see every, you know, your career is not over with, and, you know, you're not on just, you know, you know, it's big reels of film anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're actually on the network that's streaming at any time that you can watch. So, so what a tremendous thing to be involved with. And, and, and the, the legends contract is also for those who come in. It's also a way to, for those who they choose to, to bring you into the WWE hall of fame. And then when they bring you into the WWE hall of fame, because Vince is so smart and WWE is so smart, they've branded you as a legend. Now they brand you as a WWE hall of famer. So they take the same action figure, put it in a hall of fame box and restyle it all again. (laughs) (laughs) So Vince is unbelievable. So, you know, that that's part of the legends deal. And, 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 and it's tremendous, you know, just even be in a category like that with such a big company or to be considered that again, it's a great honor. And it's a great honor for my people, most of all. Yeah. And I know you're not done yet. Uh, the WWE hall of fame's in your future and, and much more. And, uh, I, I hope that we run uh, into each other down the road. I, I look forward to that. And this has been really been an awesome conversation, Chris. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. It's it's a pleasure to speak to you. It's a pleasure to be with Prime Time with Sean Mooney. And again, uh, all the listeners out there, we appreciate all your support. If you need to, you know, find me. I mean, it's easy to find me just to talk into Google, but you can go to nativetatonka.com. Facebook is Native Tatanka. Twitter is Native Tatanka. Instagram is Native Tatanka. So love hearing from you and definitely love all your support. Thank you for all the support throughout all the years. Greatly appreciated. And, uh, and Sean, we really appreciate the time today and all the best to you and continued success. All right. Thank you, my friend. Thank You're you. welcome, my friend. Thank you.